Hello and a warm welcome to Freight Club, a WCA Group podcast. Today on the podcast, we're discussing the challenge of getting food and drink produce through customs when importing or exporting. Proving goods are compliant with the destination market and clearing customs is unquestionably one of the biggest sticking points for food and drink exporters. Containers can get stopped for a range of reasons, and today we're going to tackle some of the most common ones, including guidance on how you can avoid them. Joining me for that discussion, we have one of the directors and members of the senior team at WTA Group, Kerry Barton. We're going to explain five of the biggest reasons why your container might get stopped at customs. So first of all then, hi Kerry and and welcome to the podcast today. Hey Scott, pleasure to be here. Great. So, yeah, we're, we're discussing today this uh, this pain point, uh, which, which particularly it has to be said is is for food and drink businesses of containers getting stopped at port and, and delays in, in the supply chain. Time and again, it, it does come back as one of the biggest challenges for food and drink shippers, doesn't it? No, you're right, Scott. It's a big issue for food companies, mainly because you think of the scale of food that's imported and exported around the world at all times. You've got half of all the food that the UK eats has been imported. The UK itself are exporting £25 billion of food each year. And then the US, you're looking at £200 billion of food imports. So the scale of food that's being moved around the world is massive. And a lot of that could be perishable items. Um, and that puts a, just a bit of urgency on the speed of which these have to be moved. So when you combine that, it's really important that you don't have holdups. Um, and unfortunately, you do get quite a few holdups because of the complexity mm. of the food industry. And everyone grumbles about it a little bit and it's like, oh, there's so much bureaucracy. But actually, you've got to re- kind of remember that you're taking food for people to consume into another country. So the governments there are doing it for the right reasons to protect the people and make sure that what the food going into their food chain is completely safe. But it is it does create bureaucracy for the people importing and exporting. And I think it gets even more complicated because you might start thinking that, oh, like the country, say, from the UK to the US, we're similar countries, we'll have the same health and safety standards, it'll be similar paperwork, and it just isn't. They've got nuances between all the different countries. Interesting point you said about the fact that the regulations do vary quite a lot between nations that you wouldn't expect them to. And, And the example you gave is a great one, the UK and the USA, you know, you would expect them to be broadly aligned on regulation but even exactly. down to the pack even down to the packaging and the sorts of uh, measurements that you have to use and the ingredient lists the, the regulation is different and and that is a source of frustration for shippers um so so in this podcast then we're going to we're going to focus on five of the biggest reasons that that we've found that your container might get stopped and hopefully be able to <laughs> explore some <laughs> reasons on how people can avoid these uh, these reasons for for containers being okay. stopped so Let's start right at the top then. What would you say is, in our opinion, the the biggest cause of containers being stopped for food and drink shippers? Everyone will agree it's incorrect documentation. That's that's the biggie. It's the paperwork. It is more Mm. bureaucratic than a lot of other goods that are imported and exported. You know, you can say that maybe dangerous goods and pharma have a tougher time, but 
it's going to have paperwork it just does it has to be right and this can be particularly so for first time shippers it can be a bit of a minefield even if you've shipped before but your first time to a specific country you've got to start again from the beginning almost mm. yeah and I think the best way to do this guys give you a bit of a example of a time where someone really got burnt by not having the correct paperwork so a company was exporting um, curry sauce so they had about over 2,500 cases of curry sauce that they were exporting from the UK to the US and um, the curry sauce had dairy in it so it was quite perishable as well. What it meant was they needed a health certificate and it was a health certificate at origin and um, they didn't do it basically. Then they exported all these goods to the US and then when it got into the US the FDA refused to clear it and that was all because of this one certificate and they couldn't retrospectively raise the certificate it had to have been done at origin so the fda all they did was they gave them a window of a few weeks and said right you can either ship this back or you can destroy it but because of the perishable items and the cost they just wasn't worth them shipping it back so they ended up spending it was about twenty thousand pounds to destroy these items that was their best wow. option in this situation yeah indeed so it can be really costly and it feels like it might be a simple thing to do or something you could just fix once it gets there that's what i think what some people mm. think they can do is like it'll be fine we forgot this document let's quickly get it done now and you just can't do that especially with the fda and food so they cost them twenty thousand pounds and they lost all their curry sauce wow that's uh, that's pretty brutal. Um, it is brutal. Yeah, you know, twenty grand to to destroy a container, by you know, at the end of which you've obviously got no product. But I suppose that's that's kind of customs, isn't it? That it's and it's a great example for highlighting how vital it is to to get it right. And I thought the point you said at the end there was really uh, interesting. That you know, it's worth considering all of this before you before you send 100%. the shipment there's no, there's no good thinking oh if there are any problems we'll solve them when they arise in this case you know that that was unfortunately uh, led to a, a twenty thousand pound bill to destroy your own products so the, the obvious question here then particularly for businesses that are new to exporting because this will be right at the front of their minds if you can answer this question what documents <laughs> will you need yeah, that's a brilliant question, Scott. I don't know. That's the answer. No idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the end of my answer. Move on. Um, no, it's too difficult to say. And I know people Google it all the time. People come onto our website and think there'll be just a checklist. Um, it varies. I'd say I can't give you the answer right now. I think the best thing you can do is ring someone like WTA and we will talk you through it and regardless of whether you use us as a freight forwarder we'll help you I promise but I think there's five factors that will help people determine what paperwork they need so if you know your country of origin you know your destination country you know your ingredients you know the quantity and you know your transportation method if you come to someone like WTA based on that information we'll be able to tell you um, but it does vary massively depending on those five points and you can google it there is resources out there so don't be afraid to Google it. My only caveat is that when you Google it, everyone will be a bit like me at the start of the question, like, mm, we don't really know. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there'll be caveats. So it'll feel a bit like, 
oh, I think this is what I do, but no one will commit to it because it's so complex. And if they advise you wrong, you'll obviously be cross about it. So the best thing ultimately to do if you're not sure is to speak to somebody. But if you've got those five ingredients, then you'll hit a hand, then we'll be able to assist. Mm. Yeah, it is true. I mean, there's there's literally an infinite number of combinations, so uh, it, it would have to be an extremely long blog article to to give you a definitive answer. <laughs> and when you read them, the blog articles, there's usually a little caveat in case just to cover their backs, which just makes you feel a bit nervous. And even though they probably write, they'll still caveat it just because it could it could cost you twenty thousand pounds in yeah. you know destroying curry because of it so everybody's nervous so the best thing to do is to speak to somebody and get that bespoke advice mm. okay then so uh, incorrect documentation is kind of the first of our five reasons why why a container yeah. might get stopped what would you say is a a second reason um i'd say it's probably just being a new exporter it's going to be difficult for me to say. I feel like um, I'm going to be a bit Ian Hislop and have I got news for you. Officially, customs officials, they treat everybody the same. So their standard rule is just because you're new doesn't mean you're going to be scrutinised more. Um, the data suggests even if that's an accident, they seem to be scrutinised a bit more. Um, so even if it's not done on purpose, it still feels a bit more like they are from our data. So I would say that the newer you are the more likely you are to be stopped but that does ease over time but um yeah i have to caveat it that officially the customs treat everybody equally i, I guess the, the nearest way i can explain it is um the scan to shop in a supermarket which have you used scott i hate it but have you used it <laughs> do you i have to tell you i have to tell you i'm a big fan of scanning shop i'm there every week with a little clicker going around scanning my items <laughs> i'm the person rolling my eyes at you it's pretty much really old school um, <laughs> but when you first start scan to shop or you did scott every like five to ten items you get checked at first randomly um, and that's just to make sure that you're doing it properly and you're not stealing anything. But then once you've done that a few times, the computers in the sky start going, oh, Scott's not stealing anything. So then you get checked and checked less. <laughs> um, and now you might only be checked once in a blue moon. And that is genuinely just a random check by the supermarket. So hopefully, Scott, you've built up a reputation now over the years. <laughs> and you don't get checked. If you're still being checked, Scott, you've been stealing things. So it's one or the other, but hopefully you're not being checked now and they know that you're following the procedure, right? And I guess that's how customs look at it, unofficially, of course, because they treat everyone equally. I have to tell you, I'm delighted to say I have built up a good reputation have with uh, Tesco Scanner's <laughs> Shop because I very rarely get checked these days. But it is true, certainly first few times I used it, I would say, Probably the first four or five times that I used it, every single time they were like, we need to check some of your items to check you've scanned them. Whether yeah. Tesco would admit that, like the customs officials probably yeah. don't admit it either. Um, <laughs> and we're not knows. accusing them again, Ian Hislop moment. We're not suggesting this, this is what they do, but that trend seems to exist even if it's accidental. Unfortunately, though, I suppose that this bit of guidance doesn't help people who are who are right at the start of their exporting journey, who are sending their first few pallets or their first container. Yeah. Is there anything they can do to kind of get past this? 
I suppose one of the things they could do is look at doing a full container load, so an FCL rather than an LCL, which is the less than container load, where you consolidate items and share a container. But again, this is about balancing your risk because the beauty of a less than container load is that it can get you on your way to exporting. So if you're just trialing and you've got less quantity and you just want to see how the market fares, a less than container load food consolidation can be quite cost efficient way for people to start their exporting journey. But LCLs are checked more because there's um, a mixture of contents, mixtures of paperwork and all sorts in it that customs check that because they're less straightforward so if you're doing an lcl they are more likely to be checked than a full container load of the same product so the advice is if you're really worried about being stopped because maybe they're very perishable and you've got tight deadlines or something you're probably best doing a full container load but it, it's balancing your risk. If you if you just don't have the volumes to do that, then um, you'll have to do an LCL is probably the most cost efficient way to do it. Yeah, if possible, I suppose FCL is is a is a preferable way to go. But it's it's about balancing that cost. Yeah. So so that yeah that point was was quite focused on individuals who are who are new to importing and exporting food and drink. So for the third of our five reasons why a container might get stopped. Have we got a point that's perhaps applicable to more seasoned traders? Yes, let's think of one. I would go, I suppose, insufficient planning. So you might be a seasoned exporter and then a degree of complacency might come in where you're not following the trends. Some logistics trends you can get from mainstream news so that the Suez Canal or port disruptions can make it into widespread press. So then keeping abreast of those is quite easy. But there's lots of little nuances happening all the time that is more difficult. So I suppose not keeping on top of them can cause issues. I'd obviously recommend just subscribing to WTA's market update for all the latest nice. market news, Scott. <laughs> um, obviously, the shameless plug that I'm going to do here. But um, basically, by all um, means, the gentleman called Scott Wallace, who does an amazing job of pulling together all of the logistics news in one handy place. So lazy people like me can just read that and don't have to read everything else. But there are other sources of information as well. So you could use BIFA, so the British International Freight Association. They've got a great news page and they're quite good at doing customs in particular. So that they're good at informing you on the latest tweaks or changes in customs or any outages, for example, like the customs declaration service software, they'll let you know. So it is good, like obviously, your freight forwarder will help you with some navigate some of this but you know not everybody has a great freight forwarder so it is good to keep on top of it and plan so that you minimize disruption and i suppose one of the extra things you can do as well as just keeping abreast of news is sometimes people are so desperate just to get the document you know to get your shipping started and the journey on the way that it's good to really check your paperwork up front. So it's connected to some of the points I've said before. But what you can do is if you're nervous or new or just this is urgent and you, you just don't want it to be stopped, then 
you can send preliminary documents to customs officials ahead of the time and that way not only are you warning them that they're coming but they can check it for you and say yeah that mm. all seems right and you're much less likely to be stopped that way so okay it might take an extra week or two up front but it's probably worth it for peace of mind but also limiting the chance of being stopped up front because again it's not just the time you've got to be aware of um of the hold up but it always it has costs associated with it that's when you're getting into detention issues demorage and fines and they all start racking up so um i'd recommend that if you're nervous or it's complicated you can send it to the customs officials before and just get that tick that it all looks right and in place yeah that's that's a great tip and i also thought your point around uh, just taking that extra bit of time before you send the shipment is 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 a great yeah. piece of advice I think it's natural that you can probably be extremely tempted. You know, you've just had an order from a customer. You, you want to get it to them as quickly as possible. Customer service dictates that if you can get it ahead of schedule, it's going to really impress them. That You know, the pressure yeah. to, to move quickly through the steps to try and get it to the hands of the customer can be very tempting. But just taking that extra week at the start can perhaps save you weeks uh, if it gets exactly. if, if something's missing and, and, and documents aren't right or planning um, hasn't been done fully. Completely. And that time at the end is usually got a cost associated with it where there's less of a cost at the beginning. And that's something mm. to bear in mind. We're not just talking about the, the pain of delays. It's the cost of delays as well. Absolutely. So we've had a a case study already, I suppose, on on the incorrect documentation. Do we do we have one for perhaps insufficient planning causing a problem for businesses? Something that can be learned from? Yeah, I do actually, and I'll give this story. There was um, a food exporter who came to us because they'd had this issue, so um, we weren't directly involved in this issue. Not that we've been perfect in our hundred and ten year history, but this one was that they came to us because they'd had this huge issue that. They were seasoned exporter and they were sh exporting from the UK chicken to the EU. And then there was an outbreak of bird flu. So that added even more layers of complexity um, to the export and paperwork process, as you'd expect. Because again, back to that point, it wasn't done for no reason just to annoy exporters. It's done because it, there's bird flu and you're putting chickens into the food chain. So there was lots of details they needed to pull together but some of them were like where were they housed where were they killed you know the route the chicken had taken to port all this extra information was needed to make sure that there wasn't any bird flu associated with these chickens and they could provide all that information but when they actually when customs started to dig into it they found that actually this warehouse that they kept these chickens in were only approved for eggs, not for the actual storage of um, chickens, which I know seems like, well, if you, you're storing eggs, surely you can wow. store chickens. But no, that's not the case, especially when you're in a bird flu situation. So it was a bit of a disaster for this company because they had all these chickens and they just they couldn't sell them or do anything with them. That's uh, that's pretty harsh, to be fair. I, I, I mean, I'm not a, a beacon of knowledge on this, obviously, but I, I'm extremely surprised to find out that there is a there's a distinction between a site only approved for eggs and another set of quality checks that need to be done for, for the site to be approved for meat as well. I do feel a bit sorry for uh, that, that company. 
yeah I, I feel sorry for them but I, I think we just always have to take a deep breath and go it is a pain it's there's no getting around it but they are the customs are trying to do it to protect the people that are ultimately going to use the end product so even though you know it it, it was a big travesty and cost the company loads of money um the customs weren't doing it just to try and catch them out it's done to protect the people that are going to eat the chicken so you have to kind of remember that as you go through the process otherwise it'll just feel like paperwork for paperwork's sake yeah that's that's an important point and you have said it a couple of times that uh, you know the customs officials aren't aren't doing this just to be a nuisance it is it is genuinely to you know protect yeah. the consumers in in their market and and quite right too so two more to go then reasons why a container might be stopped what what would you say is the next one so for this point i'm going to big ourselves up a bit here scott so let's go for your container might be stopped because you're using the wrong freight forwarder and what i mean here is that hopefully from what i've been saying so far people are understanding that it's quite a specialism to do food and drink and that you do need to find a freight forward who specializes in this because not only will they know all the customs and the legislations and what's going on in each country and the changes they'll also just be able to give you advice based on case studies and experience and you can avoid common pitfalls and things like that and then once you've got a reliable freight forwarder who can who specializes in food and drink is i'd say listen to their advice and i know that sounds like the silliest thing ever to say is but you've got to consider them a true partner you know not just someone who helps you transactionally because they're giving you advice based on experience and even if that advice might not be something you want to hear it can often help you in the long run so i'll bring it to life with another example but i think it's about 2021 or something there was an exporter who was shipping sweets from the uk to the us and we said please don't include this specific sweet in the um in the container because there's a color additive in that that won't be accepted because you can't use it for consumption in the us market but they the company were adamant that this could get through customs and that we were wrong and obviously as you'd expect because i'm um, using this case study WTA were correct and it got it again it got held up at customs the sweets were rejected and the company had to destroy all the sweets so as with the previous example sometimes unfortunately it's cheaper to destroy your product and then ship it back which is quite a painful thing to hear and then you've just lost all that product and it can't be resold or salvaged so I would say get the right freight forwarder, but do listen to their advice as well, even if it's not things you want to hear. I'm quite surprised by the, the revelation that they destroyed the sweets there. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have thought um, it perhaps would have been cheaper to, to ship them back to the UK and, and you would have still had product. But I guess, you know, there, there will have been reason to it. They will have weighed up and decided that it was more economical to destroy them. Um, it is a surprise. So, Remember, it was 2021 as well, Scott. So the rates would have been a much higher than they were today yeah of course <laughs> today you might uh, find that you could just ship them back because yes. <laughs> rates have plummeted a different that decision long. may have been come to yeah. yeah true okay so so obviously that answer centered around you know looking for experience and reputation with your freight forwarder look for a sort of partnership of a relationship not just a sort of transactional relationship what should a food and drink trader be looking for uh, to, to make sure they get that decision right because we're, we're saying at this point that that's a very important decision yeah. i suppose 
have a look at their websites and make sure they've got a proper page on food and drink and not just, you know, a couple of paragraphs to help with search engine optimization. I'd say genuinely has helpful advice, case studies and bespoke documents and blogs and things that are providing genuinely helpful information. So then you know that they're not just saying they do food and drink, that they genuinely do this as a specialism. Have a read of the case studies, see if they've got references, and then speak to some of the companies that these that these freight forwarders um, work with and make sure that their current food and drink companies are having really good experiences with them. So. I would say doing a bit of research, reading the website and then validating some of the things they're saying on the website is really important. Go to trade shows as well a lot, either go to logistics mm. trade shows or some of the ones that specialise go to specific food events so that they're out there in front of them. Um, and at the same time, when you're at trade shows, speak to your peers, see who they use, who they recommend. You know, I find that the food and beverage industry are a very friendly bunch and people know each other and we get lots of recommendations from companies we work with passing us to other <laughs> competitors basically because yeah. they've got such good relationships so I'm sure if you speak to your peers they'll give you guidance as well of who they're using and I'd also probably say have a little look on Trustpilot as well because that's a really good place to get honest reviews of freight forwarders. Mm. Or you could look for a logistics provider that has a podcast talking about food and drink. <laughs> oh, Scott, that's, I should have said that's number one and if, and if um, it's presented by Scott Wallace you're in that's it <laughs> a food podcast presented by scott wallace then it's a no-brainer you've got to use it <laughs> excellent right yeah. thanks very much so yeah last but not least then we've, we've got one more reason um why why a food and drink container might get stopped um what what would that be well just to be a miserable mank and um, just bad luck <laughs> I would say it could just be you are very unlucky. Maybe the customs are having a very slow day and they've got a quota. Don't know if they do. So, but let's just say they probably have a quota that they have to hit of checks each day. So if all paperwork is streaming through really well and there's no flags anywhere, they'll just randomly spot checks. So I think sometimes it's just bad luck and you just got to be prepared for that, that even if your paperwork's in place and you know, you've done all the checks, you know, you've checked your ingredients, everything looks perfect and customs have pre-approved it almost because you've done that you could just be bad luck and there's not really a fix for that other than kind of keep your fingers crossed um but hopefully it will just be a really quick check and through and it won't have any you know um ramifications on costs and so it should just be you know a sharp hold up while they do um a cursory check i suppose that's that's a, it's a valid point i think as well it wouldn't surprise me if food and drink containers were perhaps more likely to get picked up on random spot checks as well um, because of the nature of the product. I, I dare say dangerous goods and pharmaceuticals are also in that ballpark. Uh, it's just more yeah, likely 100%. to... Yeah, sorry, yeah. Scott. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's one of the reasons we have lots of less than container load kind of consolidation shipments going out all the time. But, but we protect almost one of them and don't put any food products in them just for that very reason. So it doesn't cause unnecessary holdups for some of our other customers. So we like to keep one food free almost 
just for that very reason that they're more likely to be checked. Okay, great. Um, well, I hope this has been uh, a very insightful listen for, for food and drink traders. So just before, before we sort of wrap up, um, I thought it'd be nice to just have a quick summary of, of, of the five, just to sort of recap what, what we've been over. So yeah, could you just summarize the, the five reasons um, that, that, we've, that we've covered in this podcast? Yeah, no problem. Are we going to put Top of the Pops music underneath <laughs> while I'm going? <laughs> I feel like I need to do a NAF 80s DJ voice here, Scott. Number one, <laughs> or in at five, incorrect documentation. So that was the first point back at the beginning of the podcast. So your requirements can vary dramatically depending on, let's go for it, country of origin, destination, ingredients, your quantity and the transport method. So get that information and just make sure you've got the right documentation and get someone like WTA just to go give it the thumbs up and say, yeah, that's what you need to do this. Then the next one was, do you know, if you're a new exporter, so do you know, our data shows, even if it's accidental, new exporters are more likely to be stopped. So it will ease, but just be aware that at the beginning of this journey, you're more likely to be stopped when you're new. Then I'd say it was the insufficient planning one. So take all the time you need to just make sure you've got it all planned out and your paperwork's in the right place. And if you really stressed or nervous, get that pre-approval from customs. So then you know that even if it's stopped, it's going to be stopped very temporarily and you get a tick. It's just a, it's a, just a random stop. There's nothing to worry about. And then the fourth one was just using the wrong freight forwarder. So make sure you get one with a really strong experience in food and drink because of the nuances associated with it. It's not a straightforward um, product to ship. And then the fifth one is the um, just bad luck, unfortunately, that they're going to stop some. It's just part of the process to randomly check. As long as you've got all your ducks in a row, it will just be a cursory check. It won't have any implications for you on costs or demorage or destroying products. So don't worry about it. It's just part of the process. Brilliant. Well, that's been really helpful, Kerry. Thanks very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure. Cheers, Scott.